high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. The sun's already going down. Astoria has been ranked the 10th coolest city in New York. Wait, in the world? (laughs) I think we bring the median down. (laughs) We could have been eight or nine. Yeah, right? And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, working through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. We are up to season three, episode three, entitled Body Count. How's it going, Degs? As you mentioned, it's getting dark already, and this is literally the worst part of the year for me. I hate when... we. I, many people have already discussed how shitty daylight savings time is. Uh, we yes. don't need it. We don't want it. Get it the hell out of our system, please. It is profoundly the worst. It other, is other so than miserable. you know season affect disorder uh, on top of just clinical depression. I'm great. <laughs> so you know, last episode we had we were both a little miserable, and I'm glad we are starting right out at the top. Miserable some more. Oh yeah, it's it's. I don't know that it's going to get better. No, no, it's not. But you know what? I have. I know something that you don't. I'm sure you know a lot of things I don't. But I want to hear this one particular thing. Yes, uh, I saw you already today. Well, you saw me on my run. I saw you on your run. I was uh, Jillian and I were out for a walk in the park, and like, oh, I know that dude. You're like, look how fast he's going. So fast, so impressive, you know. And I, I, I would, uh, I'd say something snarky, but you were running and I was not. So <laughs> you were you enjoying already win. You were enjoying what is probably one of the, it's one of the warmer days we've had in the past few. It's been quite a cold snap here in uh, Astoria. Oh, it's been great. Oh, you it's like been... you like the cold? Oh, so much. Yeah, I'm from Vermont. You know oh, that. Right. I'm not a big fan. Less the cold. I don't particularly like the cold. Although I do like a snuggle. It's the radiator heat that comes with the cold. It's so dry. Oh, no. I Well, I definitely hate that. It's really bad. But we've begun the Hallmark Christmas movie marathoning. Oh, no. I'm one of those. I, I, I can't defend it. I just enjoy it. There's a weird comfort food in slash hate watching it, but watching it nonetheless. And I think that they get both audiences very successfully. No, I understand that. Uh I'd never seen one in my entire life, except for my in-laws watch them morning till night right now. And mm-hmm. they, what I think is most amazing about uh, what they do is they'll watch them 
the same movie back to back. It'd be like, oh, we're going to finish like, you know, like you're a bad person if you don't like Christmas. It, and then like, oh, let's watch it again. The exact same movie. It's really remarkable. What what Jen and I like to do is watch the first five minutes. So in the beginning, we watch a lot of the movies because it's like October. We're trying to get into the Christmas spirit, trying to overcome some dark feelings <laughs> and <laughs> but that's what why we watch horror movies in october for that yeah i hear you but she won't do that so although she did come to it anyway so in the beginning we watch them but then see lately what hallmark has been doing is they'll they'll release like 30 to 40 a year yeah and then 30 on the other channel the second hallmark channel so there's like 60 movies you can't watch all those movies i mean you no. could but i don't did i download an app to check them off as i go yes However, wow! what we started doing last year, my brother and I, and now my wife is involved, which is kind of fun, and there's two funny podcasts I've started listening to that just break down these movies and basically do what we do. Anyway, what it is, is we watch the first five minutes and then plot the rest of the movie because you can figure out the- Oh, they're all, obviously. It's the same movie, just on loop, basically. It literally is so the same So we plot movie. out all the different plot points and then we each have to pick one, what do we think the quote-unquote twist will be? What's the biggest twist of the movie? And then right. we just fast forward to the last 10 minutes. Uh, Li- we literally is, skip the entire movie and just watch the beginning and the end. The, the twist is, oh, you know, I've really been focusing too much and too hard on my big city business. Mm-hmm. Let me go back and start a bakery. That's where my heart is. And that I found Christmas again. In one, On one of the channels, the guy is always cuter than the girl. And on the other channel, the girl is always cuter than the guy. It's like, it's, oh, very, it's very deliberate. It's very deliberate. That's fascinating. You know, and I, I look, I make fun. I, I struggle through them. But if you want to hire me to write one, I will do it in a heartbeat. I'm really good at uh, following formulas and writing quickly. Actually, you know, a, Chris, a, a holiday musical that's part satirical, but then somehow has some sort of a warm ending could be a huge thing. A, a holiday, a, a musical sort of parody of this, but that, like a loving parody. That yeah, that sort of somehow, maybe it's even we go down the 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 idea of like places this, all the tropes, this, but is it does so winkingly? Yeah, like this bastard who may or may not be loosely based on you, like the Scrooge type character mm-hmm. gets hired to write a holiday movie or musical let's say right does it under a pseudonym because he can't nobody can be bothered like that almost as if you were writing a christian musical oh i've never (laughs) used a pseudonym before in my life and yet somehow he gets scroogeified over the writing of it and in the beginning the numbers that we'd see play within a play that are just like mocking and he he eventually actually i'm gonna stop talking about it because there's an (laughs) i there's a there's a nugget of an idea that's pretty good no i think i think we could actually this is not a bad idea Put that in your notebook, buddy. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Well, well, actually, I'm about to divert into more nonsense. Okay, great, great, uh, great. Before we get to it, because uh, now, technically, I should probably ask for permission before reading somebody's work on the air. But when you text me while I'm on the air, this uh, this piece of profound poetry uh, that uh, I believe... I have not had confirmation, but I believe this was written by my nephew. How old's your nephew? He is five, five and a half. Great. That's important context. <laughs> yes. Is this the one who <clears throat> wrote about poop one time? You wrote a song with uh, him? 
uh, Oops, You Farted was right. my response to his song. Great. Uh, but this is uh, uh, untitled. Okay. My butt is the size of a house. My butt is the size of a mouse. My butt is the size of a cardboard box. My butt is the size of a big cold socks. My butt is the size of rice. My butt is the size of running mice. And now my butt is the size of a house once more. <laughs> Extraordinary. That Extraordinary. took me into so many places. It really... Uh, hold on. Not only is he playing with the the juxtaposition of different sizes, which is really, right. you know, exploring the psyche of one's own self-image. Right, right. But he also was doing some interesting things with with tense there. Absolutely. And, 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 plurali- yeah. and, and pluralism and, and lots of interesting work. And it rhymes, and I, it's it's sort of like a butt coup. Yeah. I really, it's it's really tremendous. It's so really many, tremendous. So many parts of that are true. Uh, speaking of diverting, throw me the uh, objections bumper. We haven't heard it in a while. Oh, I have one of those too. Oh, shit. Well, then let's get into it. Double objection, guys. Double objection. objection. be an appeal Objection! who should go first uh i think you should go first i was going to save mine for later but i'll do it you go ahead you started it well you might have noticed the subscriber count fluctuating i got a call yesterday from uh this woman that i'm married to oh really and generally when she, after she leaves for her show, for work i don't hear from her until afterwards but i got a call and generally, our communication, our communi- our communications. You're, you're talking. Well, she texts. We don't really do the phone so much. Right. Nobody does. What is right. this? The 90s? But she she called me, which made me think. What do you? What? Somebody's dead. No, or I'm in trouble. One of those two. <laughs> no in between. I'm either. All right. So I had doom and you had guilt. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. There is no in between. <laughs> <laughs> and she and I'm like, yeah. I was very concerned. And she said, now, hold on. Before you do that, I need to uh, I need to hear three options of what you thought you might have been caught doing. (laughs) Because like you jumped to guilt. So there's something in your brain there. Well, okay. first things first. My first thought was, see, I've been ordering food for uh, cooking. We've been trying to budget food better. And so I've been getting like a delivery service, meal delivery service. Okay. But I've been doing that, but then still ordering food. So oh, I've sure I've been double dipping, and right. so she's been staying on me basically. <clears throat> hey, did you cook tonight? Or blah 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 blah. And so I thought she was going to be like, "Are you cooking?" Right. And then the other things. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I I don't know I don't know where else I my brain went I just I think I went to <laughs> somebody sick or something happened right. to one of the pets. Okay. Or something. All right. All right. Anyway, I, I took you on a, a pointless diversion. Yes. But the pointless diversion actually is the point because she admitted at that during the beginning of that phone call that she's been listening to the podcast. She's an avid really? listener. So, so more than just the the opener. No, she listens to like it's like Hallmark. She listens to up until the episode starts, right? And then the oopsies. So she does the opposite of what a normal listener would do. 
I don't know. What's normal anymore? She, Who knows? Well, she wants our bullshit, and other people actually care about the practice. Yeah, you're right. She's the opposite. So I said, great, cool. I can't believe you called me to tell me that. She says, well, you should know that there's 20 seconds of dead air before the first commercial. On which episode? Just this last episode that you did. Oh, the one oh, the, oh, the one that I fucked up, apparently? Yeah, so I was like, well, the way it works, and what, what I've realized, which has fucked everybody up, is that the ads that we do get served separately from the episode. Right. So it's pos- very possible that when it, goes to, when it throws to the ad, there's a buffer for a while. Right, they pull it from the server. Well, yeah. did you check it? I did check it, and it is fucked up. But it's not that 20 seconds. It's like eight seconds, and that is well within the margin of error for us fixing anything. <laughs> Which I let her know. I was like, well, we're not going to fix that. Uh, however, yeah. yes, it did bring up the... Mm, yeah, it, something went out of my head there. I had a point to make. And I lost it. Boy, we're off to a really good start. Wow, that's crazy when that happens. That's gone. Anyway, so that's the objection. Okay. The objection was, I fucked up the editing. Uh, Which, to be fair, I will throw that back at you because you do the editing. I've never... I don't ever do the editing. Well, Well, you do the editing for your other podcast, which is harder. However, you will admit that this is a bit of a pain in the ass, yeah? Yeah, much more than I thought. Yeah, just uh, just so we could get on the straight the same page there. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to us talk about things that are not interesting at all. Well, on the for, uh, for the record, the a, a dear friend uh, is losing a battle to cancer. That's why I had to stay in Philly a little bit longer. So, uh, oh, we, it's in the past couple of days that friend has passed away. So, oh, geez, to keep I'm things sorry. dark, we're gonna just let's take a moment on the podcast to throw out. Some prayers to said friend and, his, and family. Indeed. Well, I'm sorry that. Wah, wah, I'm wah, sorry wah. that happened. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. All right. So, what's your objection? All right. Well, I'm. I'm just going to take it back. Uh, Pre-cancer. Pre-cancer. Okay. No cancer in this. In fact, as a diversion in between, I'm going to announce that uh, my nephew has just invented a fart zuka. That's a bazooka Which, that shoots farts, I'm guessing? I, I believe so. Yeah, the picture does appear to be something like that. So, lots happening here on my side. But my objection... You know what would be great is if you... On our show, we've both watched my niece get plunked in the head with a softball in real time, and your nephew spinning Rumpelstiltskin gold poetry and invention ideas. True. True gold. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I have an audio clip here that if I get permission, I'll tag it at the end of the uh, episode. Nice. Uh, anyway, my objection was, I realized, and I should know better, because I'm a football nerd, that in uh, last week's uh, episode of Sports Ball, mm-hmm. I talked about how Sunday night football didn't exist yet. And you know what? I was a thousand percent wrong. Sunday oh. night football has been around for a long time. Um, but what... I meant was it used to be that Monday night football was the premier matchup. Yes. And Sunday night football was sort of like a leftover thing that was, it was on ESPN. And in fact, in the nineties, it was also half of them were on TNT. The TNT had a football uh, license. TNT had a football license for half of Sunday night football. Wow. So, uh, in fact, the, uh, so when, uh, the giants played, this episode when we get to sports ball it was on sunday night football 
on ESPN. So you probably were back. not watching the practice this evening. I was profoundly not watching the practice. Interesting. And how did the Giants do on October 11th, 1998? Stick around. <laughs> <laughs> For 21-year-old spoilers. All right. Wait. I forgot. I remembered my point that went out of my head. You know, I I feel like this episode, the organization and the structure of this episode has fallen apart so profoundly in the first 16 minutes. We're a little out of practice. See, that's the that's the problem when you start putting episodes in the can to right. have a backup, but then having to use it really early. And then so you're basically out of practice for two weeks. I don't even know what show we're doing. I don't know I where know. we are. I don't know who we are. So because those ads get served from a different place. Right. Every time you record a new ad, it serves that new ad to all the old episodes. That's right. Yeah. So our old episode ads don't exist anymore. Which is fine. Probably for the best. However, for people that are starting from the beginning of our run, every timestamp I've made for when the episode begins is profoundly wrong because the episode time, our, our ad times is different. Yes, but by like 30 seconds. Is 30 seconds profoundly wrong by our standards? Well, if you're flipping forward and you miss the first 10 episodes, 10, 30 seconds of the episode, then everything's ruined, Keith. Then you'll have 30 seconds of your life back. Well, that's a fair point. Okay, I mean, so. We're, we're shaving off 30 seconds towards death for every listener we do that to. Well, we've already ripped. 18 minutes back for ourselves from their lives. So we clawed yeah. you closer to death yes. by 18 minutes of nonsense. All right, so uh, let's let's talk about more nonsense in this section called sports ball. No, not yet. Oh. Sports ball's not yet. The first segment we do is This Day in the Basement. We are talking about October 11th, 1998. So, what were you doing in the basement? So, when this episode drops, listeners, if you listen on the day of release on Tuesday, my birthday will be tomorrow, the 13th of November. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. And this year, what I'm attempting to do is keep in my thoughts uh, some gratitude and positive energy, which doesn't sound like me, but that's where I'm going. Also, you'll know that on the podcast recently and in perpetuity, we take every opportunity that we are given to rip on shitty teachers we've had. Yes. Yes, indeed we do. So I'd like to take this time to think back to October 11th, 1998, my first two months, my senior year of high school, and actually pay tribute to a teacher who really sort of changed my life for the better. Nice. So my senior year, I got put into a homeroom with a lot of the music kids, and I wasn't involved as much in music um, at that point. However, my English teacher, Mrs. Ebersaw, Lara, she w also uh, ran an elective, the acting and uh, the acting class elective. And, you know, your senior year, you don't really want to do anything. No, so good Lord, I didn't. I, was, I took uh, badminton, and I took uh, acting slash improv. Wait, so was badminton a full semester? Yeah, we sort of did it in like a, you didn't, it wasn't a full, yes, yes it was. <laughs> it, they were done by points, I, I forget how it worked, but I took badminton for a long time, and studied with Mr. Younger, who had actually been on the Olympic team. 
Wow. Yeah, so I'm... That's fancy. I don't know that I'm any good, better because of it, but it's still, I don't know. I, I wore it like a feather in my cap. Anywho, not the point of this story. And it turned out that this improv class that I thought would be just kind of total bullshit was, but also started scratching an itch in me, making me realize one of the skill sets I have. You know, as you and I've talked about... (laughs) As you and I have talked about in the past, I've lived a lot of my life feeling like a piece of shit. And this is one of the first times I remember having an itch scratched where I was like, hey, you're pretty good at this. And Other than you being a rock star? Well, I mean, I might oversell that bit, but I that that comes off no, that it. all comes crashing it. down this summer. We'll get there. Great. Uh, when we get there. But anyway, let's live in that in the positive for a moment. So another thing that uh, Mrs. Ebersol was trying to do is bring more sort of cultural events to the school and one idea she had was do this thing called as like a, a fundraiser for something, uh the a coffee shop, coffee house. So it was going to be a night where People would play some music, and there'd be some acts and stuff, and they would sell coffee and and uh, oh, yeah, donate. Oh, we did to that house. once too. Yeah, it was cool. So my friend Ross, who played bass, said, "Hey, do you want to do go sing a song? Do you want to audition for this coffee house thing?" So we go, and I played and sang uh, "Green Plastic Trees" by "Fake Plastic Trees" by Radiohead, and Ross played bass, and Laura Ebersol was uh, fielding the auditions. And she said to me, hey, that was great. You can definitely do it. You can definitely be in the night. However, I'll make you a deal. And I said, okay. She said, you do that. I'll let you play that night if you promise that you'll audition for the musical later in the year. Ah. Uh, Which actually changed the course of everything. So sure. she clearly saw that I I sort of needed a kick in the ass to be more involved and that I was having some issues at home and at school and different things and really went out of her way to encourage in me my sort of artistic leanings. And as things go forward, she actually became a really dear friend, is still a dear friend to me. And I don't know that I'll ever adequately be able to thank her for sort of seeing that I needed a little Mm. help. And, yeah, and reaching sure. out to do so. So to Laura Ebersol and all teachers like her, and just pe- good people who can reach out and help those in need, be it serious or just be it a little nudging in a certain direction, uh, we say thank you. And so I dedicate my This Week in the Basement to Laura, to Mrs. Ebbs. Thank you. Thank you, Laura Ebersol. Yeah, I, yeah, boy, I, that's really important. And I, I'm really glad you told that story. And, and I should find opportunities to tell similar stories i i had a i had a similar uh sort of a situation although i was much much younger i was in preschool probably younger than my nephew at this point and uh the there was a husband and wife team that ran the little preschool that i went to and her name was beth london and she found me up in it was like three stories it was an old like barn they turned in and i was sitting up there and she uh recorded books on tape um she, so she recorded like the hungry hungry caterpillar it was but just as sort of like an interstitial uh intro to the story and back she was a piano player so she played for elise on the uh, piano and that was just for like 20 seconds before she read the story and she found four or five-year-old me up there wearing out the tape back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just listening to that 20-second clip 
a fur lease on the piano. And she's like, huh, this kid might be a musician. And because of that, I started taking piano lessons just to learn how to play for Elise. Hmm. And I didn't realize that that was going to be the course of my life from there forth, but I think she did. So thank you to Beth London. Very similar story. I think uh, like, like we've said, I think that pointing those stories out will be as, is as important as calling out the shit too, because that, I feel like that needs to be. No. Absolutely, yeah. All right, we should do a new segment called Thank You Teacher or Fuck You Teacher. One or the other. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, quickly, talking about my This Day in the Basement, what I was doing while <laughs> apparently not watching the practice, definitely watching the Giants on Sunday Night Football, I was avoiding doing my Italian homework at school. Uh, and... Uh, what we had that year, uh, as a voice major, we had very intensive languages because as an opera major, you're singing another language. You're almost never singing in English, ironically. And so freshman year was Italian. And uh, so we had four days a week Italian class and then two days a week of Italian diction, none of which I wanted to do or really did. But speaking of <laughs> teachers, <laughs> uh, I was I was notorious for during the entire class scribbling in the textbook of my friend Jenny, not my own, but doodling in her textbook to the point where she could not resell them back. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, so this t- was taught uh, by Professor Donnan, who was a really interesting guy, really flamboyantly you know, fun what he was doing. My favorite part about him was he had a drag name and he went by Queen Dici, which Ooh. is Italian. It's Italian number, but also his, I thought, tremendously funny and insightful drag name. So uh, shout out to another teacher. Thank you, Professor Donnan, for putting up with me not learning Italian and then French again junior year. <laughs> but he was so nice about it. He's like, you know, I heard through the grapevine that you got into this school by using terrible phonetic Italian, so we're going to have to address that. Nope, I stayed at that school (laughs) continuing to learn terrible phonetic Italian, French, German, Spanish, Latin, but I didn't learn any of it, but I sat through many, many hours of this. All preparing you. To do a podcast in English 20 years later. (laughs) Truly. All right. It is time to talk about this day in the world. What was going on in the world at this point? First off, our uh, radios. No, we can't talk about the radios yet because YouTube forgot it. Hold on. Now I have to (laughs) burn through the Google ad every time. Uh, we were watching Ants for the second week in a row, which, ironically, uh, last episode we aired, Ants got a shout-out on SNL that very week. Oh, yeah, week. it did. And in, in a, uh, in Chance the Rapper's song about the second best of everything. Which Ants was pretty being, hysterical. Which was hysterical and exactly what we had just talked about. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, right? How present. Very prescient. 
speaking of prescient, the number one song it's was... Been one week since you looked at me. One week by Bare Naked Ladies. Which was ironic because I've heard this song so, so many times. I had no idea what it was called. You didn't know it was called so One Week? I, I had no idea. I saw Bare Naked Ladies in concert twice and I opened for them once. You opened for them? I sure did. Nice. Not, you know, in, not in my band. No. What did you? How did you open for them? So, much like my Colin Mockery story, which I don't know if I've told, but I was doing a production of Knock on Wood Forever Plaid, and I was at the... I was in Rochester. Wait, Keith? Forever Plaid opened for Bare Naked Ladies? I was in Rochester, and the Bare Naked Ladies were doing a concert at a theater nearby. Was it the Auditorium Center, or...? I cannot remember, but regardless... Somehow it got worked out that the theater that we were going to do uh, three numbers from Forever Plaid before the Bare Naked Ladies concert. That and is a really odd combination of performances. Horrific idea, but they were super <laughs> cool. We chilled out in the back in the green room with them. They thought, of course, we were a band, and then we went out and did Forever Plaid and confused everyone. So there you go. Oh wow! I what I wouldn't do to see a video of, like when you just started singing and the audience was like, "Wait, what?" Have I told the Colin Mockery story on the air? I don't think so. That's a that's a better story for a, a podcast in which we're anonymous because I yes. can't really I can't really tell. Oh, story interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll <laughs> we're going to discuss that off air yeah. later. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. The uh, Burlington Free Press, the uh, headline was Posting Rises as State Changes. And uh, posting is uh, prohibiting hunters on your land, uh, which we did. because uh, Not because we're necessarily against responsible hunting, but that is kind of dangerous to have people shooting behind your house in the woods. Uh, but yeah, you'd, you'd have to put up signs all over your property to say you're not allowed to hunt here. And if there isn't a sign there, you're allowed to go and like hunt on people's land. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, well, welcome to Vermont. Well, thank you, Barenaked Ladies. Which brings us to the new segment that we did the, uh, did our objection, but now we don't need it. It's Sports Ball! <laughs> Giants were defeated at home by the Dirty Bird Falcons 34-20 in Dan Reed's first return to the Meadowlands after being fired by the Giants. Chris Chandler threw two touchdowns and Danny Cannell was pulled for Kent Graham. Rodney Pete led the winless Eagles to a 17-12 victory over the winless Washington racist names in the Somebody's Technically Got a Win Bowl at Veterans Stadium. Oh, the vet. A big concrete cylindrical dome. Well, that wasn't a dome. <laughs> No. Oh, boy, that was a... I never saw the vet except on television, but I was pretty sure I didn't want to go there. Yeah, the, I went to the vet one time uh, for a Buddy Ryan game, and it was cold and miserable. I'll bet it was. We sat Speaking so far away, I remember nothing about it. <laughs> Do you know who you played? No idea. The Giants, I uh, think. Oh, I think it was the oh, you probably, saw, you probably saw Phil Simms in person, which I never got to do. I was very young. Uh, actually, that's a uh, different story for a different time. Oh, my goodness. We uh, we have burned through a half an hour of your life, and we haven't even discussed the practice once. 
No, but I will say it's been two weeks and I've I've missed them like a dear family. In fact, I've told so many people this past week that Gia is now in the practice that they're like, you know that that show is 20 years old. You know that what you're telling us means nothing to anyone. And I said, <laughs> I do a whole show on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, isn't that true? Yeah. Well, we are about to dive into what Gia was doing at this point on this episode entitled Body Count, written by series creator David E. Kelly and directed by Oz Scott, who also directed Race with the Devil and In Deep. Mm. I think it's finally about time to find out what is happening with our heroes on the practice. What do I think's going to happen? Oh, yes. What do you think's going to happen, guy who's going to have to go get a guitar right I, now? They're, they're all packed away. I just can't do it. Um, There's one hanging behind you. I can see it in the video <laughs> over the bed. God damn it. It's so out of tune. Go get I- the damn guitar. I'll fill. We've been filling for this <laughs> for an absurd amount of time. And I think probably the most disorganized episode we've done so far. Uh, which I'm very proud of. Okay, he's now walked across his bed. It's the Superman guitar. And now we're going to hear a beautiful rendition of... What does Mike think's gonna happen? I can't believe it's even kind of in tune. That's not that bad, yeah. Yeah, that could be worse. I mean, it's not in tune, but it could be much, much worse. I I haven't taken it off the wall in probably six to eight months. There it is. Hold the tune. Keith, I got that guitar when we were on tour in Indiana on Titanic. Did you really? For $60. That's a good deal. For something that holds a tune for eight months? Well, I've for 60 probably, bucks 20 years I've ago? probably put $200 plus into it, uh, random luthiers and stuff. Anyway, uh, so it's October on the practice, It's fall spooky time, and this is called Something with Bones, Body Count, Nothing with Bones. (laughs) But uh, skeletons and spooky times, I'm going to throw one out there and think that this episode has to do with a murder that a body that has been found that is like decomposed and it's skeletal and they don't, they, it's, it's a murder that maybe took place a long time ago. They don't know, they can't identify the victim. It's a, a spooky kind of, decomposing body situation okay so like csi the practice or some sort of serial killer since body count sounds to be like there's multiple victims multiple bodies okay all right so let's let's find out after this ad Woo! the practice season three episode three body count Previously, on The Practice. Anderson Pearson, my stuff shirt professor, he just shot somebody, dead. I'd like to go self-defense. All right, oh, yeah, don't forget, Egon killed and somebody. to your wife, you two felt like this man might end up hurting you one day. But we weren't at that point when your client shot him. You don't want to be arguing self-defense. You can't limit our defense. I can refuse an instruction. I can do whatever the Mr. goddamn hell I want. Do you think you were acting in self-defense? Or do you think... You involuntarily just started squeezing. I don't remember pulling the trigger. Damn right, Egon. Good. Egon. 
Tom is a cold-blooded killer. You know anything about this single white female attorney? Thirty-ish. Oh wow, wayback machine. Spoke to him for an hour on the phone last night. That is the fourteenth time they played the movie's main clip. You're rejecting him because of his looks. It just wasn't there, Rebecca. The chemistry. You filed a lawsuit here over a broken date. I'm asking you, why did this hurt more than the other times you've been rejected? She's not like the others. She's not pretty. I decided to drop the lawsuit. I wish you well in life, Eleanor. I wish you well too, George. That's Michael Monks as George. Who it would be seems one like thing he might I be back. Yeah, I mean, they alluded anyway. to it pretty hard there. Okay, so Helen and Lindsay are moving yeah, into like this shoes. majestic like apartment. I wish I had. I like shoes. How do you afford them on a DA salary? Oh no! Don't tell me you're gonna be one of those roommates who questions all living expenses. Oh man, Keith, that you better get that Mike's thirsty. Pearson, also a counsel at the prestigious family Hogue, was recently I know. I should. I could have read your mind. Charges in connection with the shooting death of an alleged stalker who first encountered the professor in a traffic incident involving the two men. Why is this getting so much attention? Mm, isn't every day a Harvard professor commits murder? He didn't commit murder. Oh, also, right. every one the of their cases is on TV. Five times. You know Anderson Pearson, you think he'd kill? We'd all kill, it's just the circumstances that vary. Oh, there's a proverb. Alright, Helen. Time? Well, Helen has killed, about? so... Four years. Four years? If you get convicted... But I didn't go through with it. If they can prove you went past the point of no return. Okay, so it looks like Jimmy and Rebecca are working on a murder murder, case. You get convicted. I mean, I will watch that spinoff. The the Jimmy Rebecca D. Cricket crime hour. Right? I'm in. Although it's it's amazing. They're both so... (laughs) Rebecca's had one case about a bicycle. Jimmy has now had some more experience. But like, Wow. Well, when you combine them, you, we could go ahead and f- go as far as to say you got Jimmy Cricket, Jimmy Cricketed, Jimmy Cricketed. Nice. <laughs> Looking at twenty. Years. Feels like uh, that might be. You know what? I t- I retract Sorry, that. Jimmy. Please don't give us another strike, YouTube. I would never have killed her. I could never kill anybody. Is Jimmy Cricket public domain by now? No, Disney's got that wrapped up, right? No. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sure. Uh, no, I'm. It should be Jimmy Rebecca Cricket. Jimmy Rebecca, Rebecca D. Jimmy Cricket. All right. Meanwhile, that guy said he couldn't have killed anybody. So I guess he didn't actually go through with killing anybody. But he's still in prison. It's time for silence over the intro. Is that, what ha- is that what's happening right now? There's so much of this that is, there's not even any names. It's just weird collage. Yeah, it it looks like a whole bunch of Photoshop layers that just get mixed up together. Odd. Now you'll note that Marlo Sokolov is not in the credits yet. Shrink? Dr. Walter Matthews diagnosed him as a schizophrenic. This is good. She's listed as a guest star. Get his testimony. Hmm. You check out Pearson? He's holding up. But the faster the trial, the better. Oh, Anna Gunn's in this one. What about a mock jury? Nah, I don't get much out of that. I say no. Bobby, we're going to argue he involuntarily pulled a trigger five times, killing a man he had just coincidentally threatened to kill. What else can we do? 
The problem is Judge Hiller. If, if we go near self-defense, she'll sink us. We gotta stick with automatic pilot. But, so they're going for involuntary manslaughter. Wouldn't that still throw him in you? jail? Eleanor Frott, is she here? Do you have an appointment? No. Oh, George has just showed up. So this is probably that old practice trick of somebody who was an antagonist now is approaching the firm for their help. Seems like a good bet. He's just walked in looking pretty this nervous. This is an emergency. I need to talk to someone. George? I'm telling you, that is a prosthetic nose he's wearing. I need to talk to you. Okay, what's the matter? Can we go someplace private? Sure, sure. Hey, take him off. Okay, come on. Come on. I don't okay. know what the hell so I wait a minute. what happened. Okay. In the last episode, did we not discuss who gets the new office? And then uh, Bobby said Eleanor has seniority. seniority right. So shouldn't she have her own office by now? Well, we don't know how many offices they made, right? Well, she they they said that they had one new office and asked who was going to get it. And then they said Eleanor. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, where's her office? I'm guessing he killed somebody. I still don't know. I just... I don't know who else to come to. All right, listen, I want you to calm yourself down and just talk to me. Okay. But first, drink this fifth of vodka. (laughs) (laughs) I went to a bar last night. I met a woman. For the first time in my life, I... We went to a motel. We had sex. For the first time in your life, you had sex. No! A one-night stand, I... Is now the time for uh, wordplay, Eleanor? Yes. Oh my god. Okay, all right, just George calm down. is I want to tell me what happened, George. This morning I drove to work. Went into my office carrying my medical bag. About an hour ago I opened it. Okay, maybe you should sit down. I think you should sit down. George! George! George is down. George has fainted. He's, He's gone. He's down. George, I have smelling salts. Get him. Wait, what? Stop. Wait. Why does she have smelling salts? Who has smelling salts? Well, she's fit. Maybe she does like kickboxing or something, and uh, that's but, a random plot point. I just a thread I just created, but but you use smelling salts and kickboxing. You know, I can't remember how or why, and I feel like it might have been in a conversation with you. But with me, yeah. Recently, I I brought up s- smelling salts. I don't think it was with me. <laughs> I was hoping maybe it would be, because other other than you remembering what I was talking about, there's no way in hell <laughs> that I'm going to catch this story thread. So anyway. No, but I want to know. All right. So this this young woman, she's, what, 20, 21 in the concepts of this? She carries smelling salts. Not necessarily. Does she it, get concussed frequently? Well, let's, because we hate an open plot point. Yes. Let's assume, until they prove it otherwise, that okay. she's the new office manager. Right. So she looked around the office at, during the renovations and realized that they didn't update their first aid kit. Right. So she went and prepared a fresh first aid kit, including okay. smelling salts. But are smelling salts usually in a first aid kit? Sometimes. If you, if you work at a law office where you think people might faint. <laughs> uh. I mean, it's pretty dramatic up in that piece. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, he said something about a one night stand, and then he opened up his medical bag, and then he fainted. Uh, don't get up. Just, just stay there. Sir. Is there a body part in the bag? 
My bag. Open it. Okay. Not you. Him. You should probably warn Don't him. Don't you look. It's a hand or something? A foot? The butt cheek? My butt is as big as a mouse. There's a head in the bag. What? There's a head in the bag. There's a head in the bag. So you find a this hooker's, uh, I shouldn't call her hooker. You find this uh, companion you had from the night before head in your bag. And the first yes. thing you think is I'm going to take this to that lawyer I know. Who I called not pretty to her face. I think, isn't your first instinct to just call the police or 911? You would think, unless you are the one who severed said head and wanted to start your legal defense. I mean, I guess you just did. You did, you did have sex. What's the matter? There's a human head in that bag. And your suit's giant well, again, Bobby. I thought we night. we talked about tailoring. What are you doing with her head? I don't know. Somebody put it in there. Oh. All right, everybody in the conference room, we got to figure out a way to get ahead of this. <laughs> he told me he was working on a sculpture. A uh, sculpture? That he was What's making up, for our anniversary. Anna Gunn, looking good. He said good. I was to stay out of the attic because that's where the surprise was. But at some point you did go up into the attic. Mike is Yes, thirsty. I went up one day when he was out of the house. And what did you see? Well, first I saw all these criminal investigation books and forensics, all these police research books, and I thought to myself, was he sculpting a corpse? Anything else? Yes, pictures. A series of pictures like cartoons showing a woman on a stool. She falls back off the stool and hits her head on the edge of the table. And one of the books is open to fatal head injuries. And I start reading some stuff he's written on the back of the drawings. And it started to dawn on me. What dawned on you? That he was planning to kill me and make it look like an accident. Oh, shit. Okay, so let's do, do a couple of things. Guy who was planning to kill his wife? Guy with a creative imagination. Let's not jump to any conclusions. <laughs> okay, so uh, this trial is about this older gentleman who had a creative imagination of a meticulous planning to kill his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and this creative guy is played by Matt Clark, who you would know from Back to the Future 3, A Million Ways to Die in the West, The Jeff Foxworthy Show, Return to Oz, the most terrifying Oz movie, and the outlaw so Josie Wales. And while we're doing it, let's do... Wife that her husband really wanted to kill? Bitch. Whoa, whoa, we don't know that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I will say this. If my, if my wife ever accuses me of planning a, the murder of her, uh, that's a pretty bitchy move. Unless you were. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, all right, this lady, this woman... By the way, Keith, you've known me. You've, wait, hold on, you've known me for you have known me much. for way too long. Speaking of respect, you know goddamn well that I don't plan anything. 
<laughs> that is definitely Especially true. not meticulously, so let's... Uh, no. Yes, I would like to formally apologize to What's Her Bucket? What's Her Bucket is played... is <laughs> Her actual name is Jenny Ventress. My bad, Jens. Who was in A Stranger is Watching, The Muse, Kidnap, Malcolm in the Middle, and is still working. So... Anyway, <laughs> was that it? Is that what that was it? That, oh, that's, okay. that's all I got for Next, that ma'am. fine woman. I called my son Josh. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you. A bit. He's so close to Jesse. I thought maybe he'd know something. I mean, he I did mean it, but I, but I didn't mean at it. everything. And then what happened? Well, the idea we couldn't be sure it was true. But at some point, you really did come to believe that he was very serious about this. Well, both Josh and I couldn't ignore what we saw. Thank you. Fan. You've been married how long, ma'am? 42. Us calling out fans has literally changed my life forever. I I do it in real life now. Mm -hmm. It's pretty upsetting. (laughs) Because no one knows what I'm talking about. No. Two years. To your knowledge, had your husband ever planned to kill you before? No. But given this recent discovery... Can you say you know for a fact that he didn't ever plan to kill you before? Well, I guess I can't say I know for a fact. So, uh, it's possible. Over the years, it's possible he could have planned to kill you 50 different times. Interesting. <laughs> That's possible, right? That's Tactic. a strategy. Maybe. And here you sit, very much alive. We gotta call the police. Just so he's just bad at follow through is the argument. We can't conceal evidence, but we don't have to collect it. Either. Yeah, right. Plotting a murder, attempt a uh, conspiracy to commit murder. I guess you have to also show intent, right? Well, I believe with conspiracy, you have to. In order for it to be a conspiracy, there have to be two people. So they're going to get into this. They're actually going to explain what this case is about later but i felt when i heard it that i could have used the explanation earlier so here it is (laughs) i'm going to give the jury instruction now so you understand what we're arguing at this point because clearly thinking about killing somebody is not a crime writing stories about killing that person not a crime planning drawing plans and diagrams and buying the duct tape is not a crime It is not a crime until you start the action of killing somebody. And so it becomes a, where, where do you determine he has started the act of killing somebody? Is this far enough? Because if you like, you raise your arm to stab somebody, then you are responsible for that action. But if you hold a knife, but you don't start thrusting it, that's where you get into the gray area. So that's what this case is about. Trying to determine whether or not all of his planning to kill somebody is a step in the murder process, not contemplating the murder process. Either ask me, the sooner he leaves with we it, the better... We can't let him leave with it. Does this happen a lot around here? People bring in heads? Look, before we do anything, I'm going to go get the whole story. Eugene, go with her. It actually does happen. He brought in a head. Lucy... This is like the 15th time the they've had to hide room. a body from the police. 1.30, 2 o'clock. And you drove straight home? Yes. I went to bed. 
I got up. Your medical bag was left in the car overnight? Yes. I swear I didn't do this. Do you know her name? Susan. That's all she told me. Susan. Well, Susan must have had some enemy who followed you home. What do I do? We need to discuss internally our legal obligations. And as for... Look, certain things may not be privileged, and it is possible that we are going to have to report this to the police. Whatever you do, don't head back to the hotel. What oh, if I God. think I killed her? Calm down, George. You don't don't lose your head. Discovered yet. No! I don't know anything! Now, George, I want you to listen to me. And this is privileged. What we do next is very, very tricky. If we march into that police station you with this woman's head, you are up to your neck and problems. You are going to be a suspect. And if you did it, I hesitate to offer you up since they are likely going to find much more evidence. And if you didn't do it, it is my instinct that we start cooperating immediately. So for your sake, George, I want you to come clean with us right now. Are you involved in this woman's death? No. I swear to you, Eleanor. No. You have to go to the police. <laughs> you have a woman's head. Just hold on. I don't think that calling the police is the right thing. Well, what if we don't? He's a you have to? Up. What are you talking what, what, about? Why? Why? Moving forward, he makes himself more suspicious. Uh, excuse me. Wouldn't he be tapped out on suspiciousness? He's got the victim from the neck up. Okay, could you just get the phones? Eleanor, we got to talk about this. How long before it'll start to stay? Lucy. <laughs> yeah, Lucy. <laughs> yes, we do. I don't think we're under any legal obligation Lucy's to notify fun. the police. And I if like we Lucy. advise this man to do that, it could be malpractice. I can see why you're smitten. If he gets arrested, goes to jail based on our counsel. I agree. Uh, we got to be careful smitten. here. Why don't you just tell them where the body is? You can hold the head back as leverage. Lucy, I'd appreciate you staying out of this. <laughs> Look, this man is going to have a coronary in there. Can I make a suggestion? I'm meeting with Professor Pearson in 20 minutes. He teaches legal ethics. The bar consults him on this kind of stuff. Wait, so you're going to talk to Egon, who you're defending for murder with a bullshit defense, about your current guy who's got a head in his bag. Right. And you're going to consult him on ethics. One murderer to another. We can't share privileged information with a man. If I consult him as a lawyer, privilege extends to him. Whatever we advise this guy, it's probably smart to get an outside opinion anyway to cover us. Meet with him. Meanwhile, I'm off to meet with the psychiatrist of the guy he shot. Wait, I think we should... Should I be setting up for some ice? I have a question here. Yeah, there's a lot of questions to be had. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. So... Not the least of which is, did she ever get the smelling salts? I mean, where were... We don't get any clarification. Where are the smelling salts? Whoa. Won't help the head. My cat, whoa, just played an, my cat just played an E. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so let's just think through. All right, so so uh, movies and mame, George here. Mm-hmm. Let's just think through. Let's pretend he didn't kill this woman. What would be the motivation for whoever who did to go through all of this bizarre trouble to follow this follow woman who you're stalking to kill to a motel she's going to with this other guy right wait for her to exit motel follow the guy to know where he lives kill the girl right then follow the guy to work or to his house till he goes to sleep Break into his house. Sever the head, which you have to do somewhere. Right. And then, no, he didn't have to break into the house because he said he left his bag in the car overnight. Oh, uh, we'll break into the car then. Break into the car, 
somehow in a way that the guy couldn't know that the car was broken into. Right. Place the head in the bag cleanly and escape. Right. And that was a lot of steps along the way. And why would you do that? Like, what's, what is the motivation there? Are you trying to frame George? Do you want to murder this woman but want somebody else to get blamed for it? And let's say you do. This is a really elaborate way to frame somebody. Huh? I guess we'll have to find out. All right. The photocopies he made were all on skull fractures, specifically to the back of the head. And what else did you find? Well, we found this piece of wood, Exhibit 21. Now, why is this significant? He made that kitchen table about six months ago. Same material, same finish as this. Now, if you look at his little storyboard... And if you can't see, see that, uh, he's basically he made a baseball bat where the end of it is his kitchen table. Hitting the edge of the table, fatally fracturing her skull. Damn. He has storyboarded is that he planned to hit the woman from behind with this. Her death, that way, any but wood the, fragments found on her would appear. There to are so many the of them. Table. It's a flip book, not a storyboard. Is, yeah, but the the plan is actually crazy. So he was going to stage it because I guess you needed to follow the storyboards. He was going to stage it so that it looked like she fell backwards and hit her head on the kitchen table. Right. In order to do that, he first created the he he carved or he what do you call it he built the wooden table then using the same exact materials he built a bat so that he could bash her in the back of the head with the same materials so she'd have the same type of fracture and injuries consistent with hitting her head on the table and it's literally the end of the table stuck onto a stick (laughs) like a bat so it's not just the wood it's actually the end of a kitchen table he has so the shapes and the 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 everything about the injury would be consistent with her falling backwards right except for you're going to have like skull fragments and hair and that kind of stuff that's not going to be on the table i won't pretty well thought out it was only his first draft now detective you also found this man's journal Yes. After getting a warrant, we searched the premises and located a journal containing entries in his handwriting. Okay, I'm going to ask you to read some of those entries in a second, but first, could you give us... But first... A brief summary. Detective expert witness! That. That? (laughs) Have I talked to you about my extensive improv training? (laughs) Uh, Comedian? Yes, what he said. Okay, this expert witness is played by Thomas Capacci. Capacci, Capacci, unclear. Get used to hearing this name, because he's going to be back on this show, and I'm going to get to play my new jingle. And I am just going to break down what he's been in Star Trek. Oh, shit, okay. On the next generation, he was the engineer in the episode Emergence, He played Mirak on the episode The Next Phase. In the Next Generation movie, Generations, he was a comm officer. On Deep Space Nine, he was Kira Taban. He did two episodes of Voyager. He was Viorsa in The Thaw for two episodes. And on Enterprise, he was the alien in Harbinger and TOS in in the pilot. He played Tos in Broken Bow. He did 
all of those things in Star Unnecessary Trek. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. We'll get to your other credits when you're on the show next. He describes in minute detail his plan to murder his wife. Okay, let's start with June 14, 1998, this clip page right here. Could you please read that for us? Yes. Even the coffee smells better knowing that soon I'll be able to drink it alone. I feel sanguine. <laughs> Maybe it's a feeling that her death will make the world a more peaceful place. For sure, my world will get better. <laughs> Good Yikes. writing. Good writing. <laughs> wow, not a great, appropriate time for a, a joke. I guys shrink as we speak. Good news is this was court-ordered impulse control therapy. He has a history of road rage and assaults. That's actually great news. All right, we're back with we're Egon here. We're still set for a trial in three weeks. Yes. Who well, apparently gets a tremendous amount of hair well, gel in prison. You know how that goes. <laughs> now, how many cartons of cigarettes? <laughs> to convince the jury, <laughs> some that you involuntarily pulled the trigger. You're gonna have to testify. Of course. Is there any skeleton we need to know about? No. Other than the guy I killed? I want you to keep asking Who might still be rotting question. on my front porch, Anything. not sure. Not an clear. old girlfriend in high school who says you hit her, screaming at an umpire or coach at your kid's Little League game, whatever. Anything you can think of that the DA might cross you with, we gotta know about it. Uh, that time I killed the guy on my porch? I mm. think I'm pretty clean, Lindsay. I spent my entire life okay. trying to make tobacco more available to children. There was this ancient Russian painting that I, uh, I might have, you know, helped conjure the demon through but outside of that you know i basically wait no that's not egon oh right that's the little that's the little buddy guy yeah the guy from ally mcbeal right my bad i mixed my shows it was another crossover no no all right fair enough i'm squeaky clean i i, I basically would say that i've put all my ghosts to bed <laughs> had some trouble with the Building epa the but yeah <clears throat> well I've what was that thing better, called but... that they would trap them in Listen, I'm, on another matter, the I'd like to consult thing. you on a case my firm is handling. A client has come into our office, apparently framed for Look a murder victim. Look how much he has to lean down to be in the same shot as her. In the communication, he opened a bag revealing the victim's severed head. Now, do we have any formal duty to tell the police that a murder has occurred, or in, in the alternative, that we have knowledge of the head's whereabouts? Things I learn in therapy. <laughs> he just looked incredulous. <laughs> Surely you appreciate that. I do, but that privilege doesn't survive the patient. Well, I like my patients to feel that should I outlive them, I won't be violating their confidence. This well, case involves a murder, doctor. Don't they all? Okay, so this is the therapist of the guy that Egon killed. And uh, they're trying to come up with a reason why he would be dangerous, why it was good that he killed him. But while we're doing it... <laughs> that hopefully will make it out of the episode because sometimes they don't they they don't this therapist therapist oh god is played by mark harrier who uh you would know from porkies one through three <laughs> mash would and you? he was on bosch would you i've heard bosch is incredible late by affidavit i've not watched mr Breyer was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic well head, with a headlined by another five. practice guest star you see, my client is is charged with a homicide. Affidavits don't play well dramatically in a courtroom. 
I really Even need in your standard testimony. definition, you can see the backdrop I can't give behind you that. them. I could subpoena you, in which case you'd have well, to... I certainly don't think you want to do that. My demeanor might not favor your defense. Well, certainly you would tell the truth. Yes, but remember, your client murdered mine. A bias on my part would be understandable. You know, I, I, I'm really confused here. Is it that testifying would be an inconvenience? I don't like the idea of doctors being brought into court to give testimony against their patients. If the people who come through my door have to worry about whether I'm going to reveal what they Wait, say... Wait, that's the wife's therapist? No. No, no, no. The the guy that Egon shot. Oh, okay. The, the crazy stalker guy. That's Got his it. therapist. Hey, that can only have a chilling effect on their therapy. Well, you're looking at a big picture. I'm dealing with a small one. My client's life and where he gets to spend the rest of it. I sympathize with your problem, but uh, it's not mine. Damn. Well, it's interesting. They both have a good point here. You know, the therapist wanting to protect confidentiality even after you die. Because, you know, like, I wouldn't, even if I was dead, I wouldn't want my therapist spilling all my shit. I, uh... I mean, I wouldn't care once I was dead, but before I died, that would concern me. Yeah. I sense that in typical Bobby Donnell fashion here, he's about to threaten this guy. Good bet. Let's go back 10 seconds here and make sure I'm right. My client's life and where he gets to spend the rest of it. I sympathize with your problem, but uh, it's not mine. Well, I'll make it yours. There we go. There it is. Get good and close. I'm sorry. We'll get your records. Records which will very likely reveal Mr. Breyer's contempt for Mr. Pearson. And there's probably a few threats in there. If a psychiatrist has knowledge that his client is about to commit bodily harm and he stays silent? My client did not commit bodily harm. Yours did. Which you may have played a role in by not intervening. Uh, Goodbye, Mr. Donald. Dr. Matthews. Violence happened here. Somebody died. If you had reason to see this violence coming, you could be exposed. Now, you want to read that as a threat? Feel completely free. Damn, Bobby. Hard ball for Egon. Really? Obviously, makes you understand how difficult still being am. a therapist is. My father about to kill my mother? I still can't believe it. Josh, you and love your dad, do you not? Very, very much. And would you consider yourself close to him? Yes. I object to this. I don't see the point. Your Honor, the point... I'm simply trying to show that this is not some family split where people are taking sides. The witness is very devoted to the defendant. Why do we need a witness to say all this when you seem happy to say it yourself? All right. Uh, Sidebar, Your Honor. Oh, the Honor says something. It's the first time he's made any sounds. That's true. This witness isn't up here to offer anything new. She put him up to get in that he thought his father was going to kill his mother. Good try. But what he believes isn't relevant unless he's got some foundation as a mind reader. He's got foundation as his son. P.S. In the jump from seasons two to three, Jimmy's become a badass lawyer. Jimmy has gotten so much better as a lawyer. No, I was I was about to say that. Like, belie- Jimmy is- isn't relevant what he believes. Can't be introduced as evidence. Well, it takes his little confidence, Better winning forty million dollars. Your Honor, I'm yeah. simply trying to establish. I know what you're trying to establish. 
If his own son thinks so, it must be true. No go. Yeah. Damn, Jimmy. You got Jimmy and a gun. Jimmy. Josh, did it hurt to turn your own father in for attempted murder? Objection. Offered to show Objection. lack of bias. Objection. Son. That is Dwyer Brown from CSI, House, the TV show, and a movie called House. Hmm. He was also on Firefly. He was in the movie Gettysburg, Field of Dreams, and the Thornbirds miniseries, which aired the finale at the exact moment that Scott, my younger brother, was born. Congratulations, Keith. He was in two versions of House. Do you know it what's was. do you know what's as big as a house? My butt. World. Did it hurt? Sure did. Of course it did. Thank Whoa! you. Oh. Yowza. That hey. is an outfit you got there, lady. There was no auditions for that extra. That was pulled from headshots and her headshot was old. <laughs> no. Oh, That's you know all. what? Let's do some laundry. Just so we can get through the rest of the scene without interrupting it yet again, this judge is played by Lawrence Dobkin, who you know from L.A. Law, Melrose Place, Beastmaster 2, Rawhide, The Rifleman. He started working on the movie Laughter in Paris in 1946, and he he was an Emmy nominee in 1967, and on Next Generation, he played Ambassador Kell... On the uh, in the episode Mind's Eye, making him the third judge on this show to have played a Klingon on Star Trek. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. They have you a said type. You and your father have always been close. Yes. As much as you love him, have you ever admired him? Well, I I, I don't understand. Well, has he ever done anything extraordinary? Ever been proud of something he's done? I'm sure I have. Can you tell me what? I I can't think of something right this second. Ever say to him in an argument, Dad, you've never done a damn thing in your whole life and you never will? You say that? Yes. Yikes. Despite all this planning here, you, you think it's possible in the end he wouldn't have done anything here either. That possible? Yes. Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy. killing it. Thank you. Maybe not the appropriate term, term of phrase, but... <laughs> Jimmy is planning really hard to kill it, but maybe won't. Pearson says we don't have to tell. Really? Past crime, no duty. We can't advise him to conceal evidence, though. That we know. All right, so what's going on? Your Honor, my other client, who is under investigation for murder, advised me that my current client... On trial for murder. On trial for murder, advises me that my current client didn't have to tell the cops that he has a severed human head in his bag, uh, and so we just <laughs> thought it was cool. 
Yes, the tobacco lawyer who was on trial for murder I went to for My opinion is we move forward and we get the police involved right away. Eleanor, you better be sure he didn't do it. Look, I don't know the guy that well, but there is no way he could have cut something. Eugene, it is not in his character. It just isn't. Let's call Helen. Helen Gamble? We got to do this right. right We'll have more credibility with her and we'll get more trust from the police if we come in with a DA. Eleanor, I can't keep waiting. I can't just sit in there and do nothing. Okay, George, here is with that head. Relationship yeah, with calm down. You don't want to let the head out of the arrested? bag. I don't think so. And that was a rough one. <laughs> okay, maybe. What? Can we just call her? Tell her over the phone. Just get her down here, and then she's not gonna come down here. Get her here, Lindsay. All right. Call Ellen. Yes, that is the that is exactly what they should do. Head and shoulders above all the other ideas. How oh, boo! <laughs> Helen, thanks for coming. What's the big secret? Can you just join us in Eugene's office, please? What's going why on? Do, why do they have to let people find out by looking in the bag? I would want a little warning. Keith, I'm asking you as a friend. If you're ever going to show me a severed head, let okay. me know that's what I'm about to look at. Okay, so if I have a severed head, yeah, and I want to show it to you, mm-hmm. I should... Put it in the email. Preface it. Yeah, put it in the email. The email you subject write should it. be yes. In the uh, on the subject of the email, let it say there's a head I want to show you. Okay, all right. But should I do? I have to specify that it's severed. I mean, th- there's some nuance there. Okay, all right. And like, are we talking upper head, lower head? Lindsay, any head. Okay. Any portion of the head. The wall. Okay. What I wouldn't give. That I left the motel and went home. And you went back? No, never. Well, how do you know she's dead? When he got to his office, he opened up his medical bag. And the woman's head was inside. Oh, they warned her. Look, I wish I were making it up, but it's in the bag. It is Halloween. Uh, he's screwed. This one's in no. the bag. No joke. There's a head in that bag. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a head a in the bag. Head. Helen, we got a situation here. This man has been framed for murder. I love that even in the most excessive of situations, Eugene looks like he ain't got time for this shit. He is (laughs) bored and annoyed by being here. I've got some clients in in lockup that I got to go rough up. It's got to stink by now. Got it. Oh, God! What'd you think? Gee, what could have happened? They prepared her for this. What the hell is this? Helen. Is it real? Helen, we came to you because we trust you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Next time, (laughs) trust somebody else, for God's sakes. Nice, Lindsay. For God's sake. Calm down. All right, stop it right there. I have an objection. Great scene. This is very Allie McBeal of her. Although Allie would have just passed the fuck out. Yeah, here's my objection. Objection! All right. So, Helen is losing her shit right now. She And she was warned that there was a head in there. And I'd be like, okay, so the character's freaked out by a head. I would feel that way too. I'm not a big fan of severed heads. Except for... Last season, Helen saw the guy who was Legoed and had the head fall off of the table onto her foot. 
And she was like, oh, bummer. Well, she wasn't wearing a sweet-ass power suit like she is now. She was wearing full medical garb. She was, but I'm telling you, this doesn't make any... Like, this is like a character that you forgot had already gone through this and went for the big reaction. Like, Helen's done worried about this. She sees bodies every damn day. Look how consistently they're all costumed, though. All grays, muted colors. Super gray. Oh, that question has a lot of answers. God! <laughs> like, she just... How long have you been crazy? planning to your wife? Since 1986. Twelve years. <laughs> but I never really would have done it. Well, Mr. Manning, you bought He's been these forensic to kill his science wife books. For 12 years. You studied up on cause of death. You drew these pictures of how it would happen. It was a hobby. A hobby? <laughs> I started thinking one day... How hard would it be to get away with murder? Then I started daydreaming about the perfect crime. Killing your own wife? I do love her. I wish we were still together. But she, she could also be very hard on me. For 42 years, I never stood up to her. Sometimes it was a... A happy little delusion to imagine her dead. All right. So you I have an imagine- important question to ask you. Okay. You, uh, you get home from work. You go into the bedroom. You open up the closet. And inside there is a whole series of elaborate plans of Jen plotting to kill you. <laughs> what do you do? I don't know. I was just, I don't know the answer to that question. I will say in a bizarre moment of honesty that in my life, planning to kill you in my life, I have had the conversation with people perhaps, perhaps callously and with no intent whatsoever, but just thinking like that question he just posed, like if you were going to get away with murder, how would you go about it? Like, what would the plot be? In any time I've ever gone through that fantasy, it's always, it always starts with, it has to be somebody you don't know. It has to be a complete stranger. Oh, a thousand percent. So once you like drill in and make it about, I can even buy the, you know, it's my, it's my way of therapy. Like instead of dealing with anger or communicating, I just envision murdering her in my head and that's how I deal with it. I can understand, it's not how I deal with things, but I could understand that as a coping mechanism mechanism well it's the extreme version of playing grand theft auto yeah great conceptually and no i get that in fact i uh (laughs) i've i'll take it a step further i've actually started writing a book i kind of forgot about it at some point but a satirical book called all the murders i can think of where i write from the uh the standpoint of uh it's like a self-help book uh how to commit murders for fun and exercise and have a whole series of like elaborate ways to get away with stupid murders. And this was the last episode of the Out of Practice podcast. Before, <laughs> no, um, look, I'm a horror novelist. I'm already yeah. on every watch list. So, so at this point, all of that makes a lot of sense. Now, the question for me that I'm wrestling with as we get through this episode is: Yes, once you start crafting the tools, I feel like that's right. a sec- separate step. That's true. You know, yeah. saying oh, oh, I would, I would cut the, I would cut the, the, 
whatever lines of her car and or the brake lines and she get into an accident is okay a great fantasy but if you went and bought the pliers or the wire cutters now that's a separate thing now there's some intent being shown well it's an escalation but does it escalate to the point where that's actually you're taking a step in the murder i don't know i it it's really fuzzy me doing it. I will say for a change that, you know, I think often I have, a, I'm talking about this too early. I often, have, we often have a criticism that a lot of the A, B, and C cases are just like random. They don't really, they don't intertwine very well. Here, I think it's an excellent juxtaposition. You've got one client where we're discussing, well, when does that, when does intent become real? Right. right? Where does it go from just like a fantasy to real versus he actually killed the guy, but we're going to argue that he didn't, he didn't really mean it. Right. Is that like it, the guy who planned the most and the guy we're arguing didn't plan at all? Right. One did the murder. One didn't do the murder. Who's guilty? Right. Right. And then the third one, like, did he commit the murder at all? Who knows? Oh, head in the bag. Yeah. Head in the bag. Yeah. Made me feel stronger. But when you go out and buy these books and build a kitchen table as a murder weapon... Oh, thanks, Jimmy. This went beyond a happy little daydream. The more I thought about it, the, the more I came to believe... I might really be able to get away with this. That's, that's when I bought the books. And, and I made that table. <laughs> it, was the, it was the most fun project I ever had. I'd go up into that... Attic, and I'd lose myself. It made me feel powerful, sinister, even. You know, things I never feel in real life. But but it was just make believe. It was just a game. I never never would have gone through with it. Good performance. Your wife here. thinks you were going to. Well, I suppose it's hard to plan the murder of somebody and then expect them still to trust you that's fair accurate yeah (laughs) i said of an understatement before i'll say it now this was just a make-believe world where i was an interesting person you know someone to be feared someone to be respected i would never ever have really harmed you Well, you know, what the piece I think that would have rounded the story out a little bit better for me is like if we had heard testimony that she emasculated him and that he, you know, had been beaten down over the relationship and that she was, but he didn't really, they didn't really give us that. Well, he did say, he did say that. She could be harsh, right? Yeah, I, I think he did the, I mean, I, I call her version of that. I mean, I, I certainly got that I need the message. name and the address of the motel. I'd also be asking for a polygraph before I could even begin to support you. A lie detector? Yes. That's fine. Listen, is there any way we can keep this quiet? I'm a podiatrist. I don't need... Well... We'll try. One step at a time. I have to be honest with you, doctor. It looks like a news item. (laughs) Yeah. Baby steps. Might stick your foot in your head. Yeah, that's a nice gun. The trigger is light. Yeah, but you gotta pull it. It doesn't just go off. 
But if his hand did kind of convulse, wouldn't it keep firing? No, you'd have to have some kind of a release. With an automatic, yes, it could uh, empty the magazine if you kept squeezing the trigger, but the semi-automatic? But with the auto recoil, it is possible that with one squeeze, well... Mr. Schramm, let's cut through it. We need an expert to take the stand and basically testify that between the light trigger and the automatic recoil, it is possible for a man to just sort of squeeze and have the entire magazine empty. Yikes. We're going to find that expert. He's out there somewhere. The question is, have we found him yet? What's the fee? Fifteen hundred a day. Fuck. That is shady as fuck. Let me think about it. It's a lot of money. Yeah, I want to be an expert witness. Quote with hard quotes. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm an expert in, but uh, planning murders, apparently. <laughs> Comedic murders. Comedic murders. Satire. Comedian? Satire. Murder? So this was just one Murder? happy little daydream. Yes. And you still love your wife? I do. Did you ever tell anyone that you hated her? Oh, I'm sure I told Josh that. Told him with a twinkle, or did you mean it? Wait, so if you're going to tell one person that you hate your wife, wife, it's going to be, be your son? be a very abusive woman at times. Oh, here we go. She used to belittle me for being a failure, for not making enough money. And I, I know it was just her own frustration talking. But Has she no, said anything? I, I don't think I ever truly hated her. Yeah, she testified, remember? No. Many times I felt anger toward her, yes. Now, Mr. Manning, between the books and the wood um, and the art supplies, you spent over a thousand dollars on all this stuff, didn't you? I don't know. I didn't keep receipts. No, you didn't. You always paid with cash. Mm. You never used a credit card. You never wrote a check. <laughs> if, if, if the fantasy is, is to have a perfect crime... You, you were going to kill your wife, weren't you, Mr. Manning? I would never have gone through with it. Could you please read page 103? This is just idle fiction, Miss Ward. Yes. Could you read the idle fiction on page 103? Thank God Rebecca's there. That's true. She hasn't said a word yet. When I close my eyes, I can hear the sound of wood hitting skull. Ooh. Like the crack of a baseball bat. I keep playing it over and over in my mind. It sounds like music. Yikes. Soon I will hear the music, and she will be gone. He is a good writer. What does skull music sound like, Keith? <laughs> like the bongos? Oh. Excuse me. Mrs. Manning? Mrs. Manning. All his preparation aside, we wouldn't be here right now if you didn't go to the police, which is okay. But you don't know he would have done this, do you? Why are you talking to what her? What do you want me to do, Miss Washington? Take the stand and say there's reasonable doubt? Well, there is. Isn't there? And what a consolation that is after 42 years. Either he was going to kill me or there's reasonable doubt. Good 
performance by her too. Jenny Any final Ventress. thoughts? Well, I wasn't going to kill her before, but if I get away with it, I'm sure as hell going to kill her this time. <laughs> what is he? What is he accused of right now? Well, that's sort of what we're what I was saying before, and they're going to explain it much better than I will. But if he, if you begin to murder somebody, I think it'd be attempted murder. Is what he's charged with. Let's say, speaking of fantasies, let's say you're acquitted of attempted murder. Right. If you then go on and kill that person for real, that's a separate crime, right? You can still be tried for murder. Oh, definitely. It's not a double jeopardy thing? No, no, no. It's an entirely separate crime. And if you get acquitted of the murder of somebody, they can't retry you for that murder. But if you murder a second person, you can then still be tried, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, you just can't be tried for the exact same crime. Not... Like, you, you you can only be uh, arrested for stealing once. No, it's every single incident is a separate crime. Now, that's... But that does not extend to federal pardons, right? If you're federally pardoned, you're then pardoned for any future crimes as well. No. No, no, it's no, just no, no, all no, no, past no. crimes. Only, it's, only, it's only whatever the thing is. You can't... I don't believe you can be pardoned for future crimes. But you can be pardoned for all past crimes. It doesn't have to be specific, correct? Uh... If you're talking about the presidential pardon, it's only federal crimes. It does not apply to state crimes. You hear me, Trump? So you can't pardon yourself for the for what's in the uh, New York uh, SDI. So I was reading the Borowitz report, you know, in the New Yorker, and uh, which is totally satirical. But on occasion, it'll pop up on one of my like news aggregators, and. It, things have gotten so batshit crazy that now those headlines fool me. Right. This, yeah, how, this last how are we one was to know what satire anymore. This last one was like Bloomberg offers Trump five billion dollars or two billion dollars or ten something like that. Some some crazy astronomical fee to leave office by the end of the month. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, he might take that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he might. Jimmy, can I close? Closing argument. I have a read on this whole thing. It's your second... I can make the jury understand. It's literally your second trial. And you're gonna close. Yeah, that's some baller confidence, though. Right? Meanwhile, that helicopter shot's new. It's 4.30, and it feels like it could be 11 at night right now. It really is. Fucking hell. James Pickens Jr. is back. Going to the motel that movies in Mame. It's got a. It's and got his a, headless paramour met at. It's got a La Quinta vibe. <laughs> Does have More like a red roof in. Mm. Except this one doesn't have a roof. Oh, there's her body. I saw a little pantaloons. Saw some pantaloons and a lot of blood. Nothing. Shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. Nothing. <laughs> Shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> what did you think you were going to find? I 
mean, even if I knew it was there, it'd probably be pretty gross to see a real dead body. Yeah, maybe you'd even freak out, like, if you saw a head in a bag, and then get belittled for it. I by might, yes. By a podcaster. Blue? 20 years yes. later. Your name is George Vogelman? He's taken the polygraph test. Yes. Do you find Eleanor Frut Did attractive? Did you first meet the victim the night she was killed? Yes. Were you physically attracted to the victim? Yes. Girl's name was Susan Robin, Northeastern student, no record, good kid. Oh. Is everything okay? Oh, you gotta turn the lights on because it's so dark. I, well, I went to go turn the lights on and then pulled out my uh, my headset and then, of course, the uh, the mic feedback. Oh, so much fun! So enjoy that at home, guys. Do you know what would be a fun experiment for the podcast, Keith? Mm. If we could take a polygraph. Oh, that would be so fun. We'd have to, like, softball it, though, because I don't want to get too, like, crazy with it. But... <laughs> you don't want to ask any real questions. Right. It's like a fun experiment. <laughs> Bad news is she comes from a wealthy family. There's going to be some heat. Is there anything from the crime scene? Wait, so I think what we missed there is finding out that the headless woman was a college kid. So... This guy who went from, like, classifieds hooked up with a college kid and we're supposed to believe that's, like, a normal thing? Hold on. That's that's Night very suspicious to me. Yes. We're going back in were time Were you physically seconds. attracted to the victim? Yes. Girl's name was Susan Robin, Northeastern student, no record, good kid. The bad news is she comes from a wealthy family. There's going to be some heat. See, now I'm is suspicious. anything from the crime scene? Heard so even if she's a senior in high school, she's still only 22 years old. College. But yeah. It, right. And, right. And somehow, like, this guy has the game to pull that off. Yeah, well. but it, With his not prosthetic nose. Well, I feel like he's, you know, he must have felt like, oh, my God, this person, for whatever reason, is into me. Like, I got to go with it. Well, I just don't. No, no, no. It's not, it's not his intent. I don't understand. It's her intent. Well, I maybe don't she was a working girl. Or Is it strange he went so far as to buy books, sketch it out, make the? You want a closing time, this bitch? Yes, I do. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. For the defense, Rebecca Washington. The murder weapon? Of course it is. It's even deranged. But simply put, it's not a crime to think deranged thoughts. It isn't. Now, I think we could all see that this is a sad man. Even pathetic, maybe. And that's why he go up to his attic day after day and enter his little Walter Mitty world where he could pretend to be sinister and, and powerful, this mastermind of a great and terrible crime. And he'd go a little further with the plan each day because the further he went, the more he could convince himself that he was capable. And that made him feel good, that he was capable of anything. But in the end, he never does anything. He never will. This is an ordinary little man who retreats to his own inner world where he can feel like something more. Now, we, we all have our fantasies. 
I'm sure some even involve deviance. But if they're just fantasies and you don't do anything, you can't send a man to prison for what he's thinking. And that's what's going on here, ladies and gentlemen. So let, let him have his little pretend world. It seems to be all he's got. Good close. Mm, this isn't a great analogy. Forget it. <laughs> he made the weapon. He researched how to do it. Now, what are we supposed to do? Wait until he's in full backswing with the wood before we play? No, it's a decent analogy. Let's go to Dateline NBC and Chris Hansen. Okay. Okay. Hi, you- I'm Chris Hansen. No, 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 no. We're not there yet. Oh, okay. Instead of being Chris Hansen, I need you to be a pervert, okay? Done. <laughs> Hi, I'm a pervert. All right, pervert. Yeah. Uh, you Hold on, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta do some pervy things. Perv, perv, perv. All no, right, it, right. we're gonna make it easier because I'm gonna be a 12-year-old girl. Okay, now I'm uncomfortable. Okay, so you're writing me emails. We're writing back and forth. We're chatting, 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 okay? okay. And I say, hey, grown-ass man, I want you to come do pervy things to me at my grandma's house. Okay. And we're sending emails back and forth, emails back and forth. Now, these are, this is terrible. Terrible stuff, Keith. You are a fucking pervert. Okay? <laughs> Let the record show you're a fucking perv. This is a really fun game. With all kinds of intent and crazy emails you've sent to underage girls talking right. about all the things you would do to them. Do you admit this? Holy shit. No, Wait, however... What, what's going on here? Okay, so we've discovered all these emails. We've set you up. The sting is in full effect. But then here comes the day Chris Hansen's in the kitchen ready to catch Perv Keith. Right. Guy ne- Perv Keith never shows. Perv Keith just gets off writing these emails and shit. Is it still... Are you still a criminal? Uh, I believe... That's a different uh, crime, I'm sure. I, I believe so, but it's a different crime. That's right. Yeah, I, guess, I don't really. I have. I have no idea, like what the, what the laws are there. Am I drawing but, a? Am I drawing a, a terrible parallel? Okay. No, I don't. I don't. No, I don't think so. Because again, you're you're going down between the difference between fantasizing about doing something and doing something, and in this case, yeah, in that case, like, you like you wrote wonder, those emails. You wrote those emails, but. Are you genuinely believing that the person on the other side is who they say they are? Yeah, that's the nuance there. Or is that part of like is like a is like a a, a game you think you're playing with another adult? Right. This would be more. Know. This would be more. I guess you're you're in a specific fantasy chat room where it's like we're going to pretend we're underage people, so we can go through the fantasy without actually doing it. Sure. Because sure. those and exist. A, I'm sure. I'm sure they do, and and that I I'm assuming wouldn't be a crime. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, we're going to have to... Uh, we'll ask you Listen more about that when we get the polygraph up. What if he had killed him? <laughs> Wouldn't we all feel silly saying, hey, we thought it was only a game. Made the weapon. Studied forensics. Made a storyboard of the crime. How far are we going to let him take it? Go back to that room. And read page 103 in his journal and note his anticipated delight of wood hitting skull, of her being gone. 
This is not a zealous police force at work here, people. His own son, somebody who loves him, had to step in. This is a murder waiting to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Although, I mean, to be fair, if, if I found my dad's journal with all these plans of killing my mom, I'd turn his ass in, too. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I don't think their concern about it is unreasonable at all. Which is why, it, it, I, I really like this case, actually, mm -hmm. because everybody is, like, both closings are really solid, and I think there's a good point to be made on either side. Good job, David. You can either prevent it or not. got our firearms expert, and he's pretty much considered the best. The psychiatrist wasn't too friendly, paid him but he handsomely will testify. To lie. It figures to be a very short trial. How short? It could even be two days. We're stipulating as to as much but of I'm their six, case five. as possible. Now, the fewer witnesses they put on, the thinner their case will seem psychologically, and the whole thing will turn on your testimony. Well, we're putting up some psychology experts, aren't we? How panic can trigger a reaction such as mine, or anger. We don't want to. It could, it could play like a rich defendant paying for science. That could alienate the jury. We, we don't rather you remember you they don't put up witnesses? Them. That's how they beat well, you. Uh, are you sure? I mean, we've stipulated most of their case. And what? We're putting up just three witnesses? Four, if we call your wife, which we probably will. <laughs> what? <laughs> a a two-day trial to determine the rest of my life. Professor. We're good at this. We've oh, got a I, lot of money, thanks I to know. you. So uh, we're going to use it. You you bought this suit. Thank you, Lindsay. Mere preparation is not enough. You must find the intent. Look at the mustache on the judge in the portrait behind the judge. Oh, yeah. To kill... Plus, some overt act. What constitutes that overt act is the question. Is making the weapon enough? Drawing the sketches. <laughs> what you must determine when you go back into that room is this. Had it gone so far that if the police had not stepped in, it would have resulted in the full consummation of the crime. If yes, you find him guilty. If no, you must acquit. Yeah, see, that's a better way to explain what I tried to explain. Of simply planning it. That's what you must decide. Fascinating. Wait, so stop there. So, you've heard all the testimony, you heard both closings, and you heard the judge's instructions. What is your verdict, Mr. Indeglio? Well, I'm sad that they didn't point out in his defense, look, if he's so meticulous, if this is such a blueprint for a murder, <clears throat> he's even saying soon, but he doesn't say when he's going to do it. He doesn't give any sort of specific time or date. So he's still in the planning phase. And if we're going to go as binary as the judge laid it out, I say no, he did not begin the act. He is, he is innocent of that charge. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if, you know, what he said was, if the police hadn't intervened, 
would he have killed her beyond a reasonable doubt? Are you beyond a reasonable doubt that he actually would have killed her? And I don't think they've meant that. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree with he you. also seems like the guy who, you know, a month from now, he might have been like, okay, that was fun. Now let me think of a different way I'll do it. Now this time, instead of pushing her off the table, maybe I'm going to poison her and like just go right. down a whole different thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, on the jury of Keith and Mike, you have been acquitted, sir. Now to our dear audience, I feel like this goes without saying, but I feel compelled to say it. You know, Keith and I are very creative types. We talk about these fantasies. We're very flippant about it. We don't actually condone any sort of violence or bullshit towards people. I think that goes without saying, right, Keith? I would hope so. <laughs> Can you imagine? What are you listening to? This weird podcast of these two really deviant murderers, possibly? And they just they keep trying to keep well, talking about wanting Eleanor, to kill people. Helen and I'm really glad that you put in that disclaimer 70 hours into our podcast. Oh, do you mind? The rhythm's better. I'd kind of like you to say dull. No problem. Helen, come on. Even so, this is premature. Why can't we wait and... Oh, God. Can we surrender him here? Look, I just don't... And this is a new segment I'd like to call Exposition by Telephone Call. Telephone Call Exposition. Yeah, that's much better what you did. Yeah, sure. Okay. Thanks polygraph was inconclusive the only prints found on the scene were the victims and george's it's hitting the press are gonna dear tv polygraphs can't be used in anything stop putting him in the show stop it like every episode arrest yes it is 453 last scene with her has her head they made arrests on less Lindsay. so what's happening she agreed to let me surrender him will you call him Wait, so if the polygraph had been conclusive, they wouldn't arrest him? They just tied those two things together, but they're not tied. Well, they're not tied legally. I think arresting him here, there's a piece of there's a little bit of uh of judgment mm. given to the police. I'm not calling him. You call him. Donald Young in front. You're the one and who Dole. dumped him. Uh, yes, sir, I'll tell him. Yes, it is Eleanor's fault. Your closing fault. was either really good or really bad. Excuse me? The jury's back. What? Super zoom on Rebecca's face. Why are they always surprised when the jury comes is back? Is this good? I don't know. They're not looking over. What? Hmm? They're always the jury, shocked. when they acquit, some of them usually give a look over. Heads are down. Oh, God. Just hang in. It might not mean nothing. Jury reached a verdict. Jimmy. We have your honor. You're damn it's right, your honor. Rise. What say you? On the matter of the Commonwealth versus Manning, on the charge of attempted murder, Shit, attempted we find murder. the defendant, Jesse Cowens Manning. Fam. Not guilty. Oh, thank God. Jury is dismissed with the thanks nailed of it. the court, and we are adjourned. You nailed it. You did nail it. Thank you. Although, I mean, he's lost his entire family, so... Thank you. I mean, there were consequences. Find a new hobby, Mr. Yeah. Manning. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. What's he gonna say to her? I'll see you in chapter two. They said nothing. 
You ever dream about killing me, Dad? Yeah, hell yeah. I am now. It's much more of a drowning situation. Tell your mother I miss her. I'm not gonna do that, Dad. Yeah. That's a hard maybe. That is definitely a hard maybe. I mean, like, you feel for the guy. It's also a really good performance from Matt Clark, so you really do feel for him. But Yeah, but at least the 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 fantasy murders you've written down, Keith, comedically, are yes. fictitious, right? They're not real people. Right. Yes. So if you're gonna like plot to kill your wife, even for fun and leisure, <laughs> you probably shouldn't write it down in a in a very explicit journal with with storyboards and sketches. It's it's definitely taking it to an extreme level. Yes, yeah, you're gonna really have to double uh, two factor authenticate that password. <laughs> Helen said we could arraign him tonight. I'd like to try for bail for a homicide. We'd like to try. George Holderman, you are under arrest for the murder of Susan Robin. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to talk to an Does he have that nose on IMDb? Yeah, that's his nose. I don't know. It just looks like he's got a fake nose on. You Attorney look like you have a fake nose Joseph's on. Joseph's described him as a private man. How with a history dang. of meeting women through the personals. Reportedly, he carried the head of the victim around all day. The police found the body of the victim at a motel on East Lazarus Street near the bar where Vogelman allegedly first met the victim. I'll say this. Whoever framed him did a pretty good job. Do you think he could get convicted? Well, they can't come up with a suspect. Donald Young in front is also representing Anderson Pearson in his murder trial. Yikes. Why does everybody leave out Dole? What am I, a pineapple? Oh, snap. That's a terrible line. Shout out to Dole Pineapples, though. Hello. Seems we suddenly drifted into homicides again. Indirectly. Drifted? You never left. All you do is homicides. You okay? I do dig that the cases like go over a couple episodes. Like it really does. Yeah. Enc- it does encourage uh, being a regular. Yeah. I. The way we strong arm witnesses. I mean, I know we had to a little, but. Lindsay, I can put Eugene on this. No, I want to be on this case. You did it pretty Why? easily, Lindsay. Yeah, you were the one doing it. Good question. Something tells me you know the answer. Remember when I was up against Pierce in the tobacco case? Twice. You accused me of not being tough enough. I did? You thought I might be looking for approval in his eyes. Oh, no, I was just trying to bang you at that point. And right. you were right. And every time I've looked at this firm through his eyes, I've felt... I don't know, I... I mean, sleazy isn't the right word, but it... It's the one that comes to mind. I was his best student. Sleaze adjacent. my favorite professor. I would see his disappointment in... And now, the chance for me and... 
this firm to fight for him, to rescue him. It feels like this chance to ratify what we are. I was just going to say, you hear that? You hear those footsteps? That's somebody chasing after an oopsie. And yet the things I've been doing to help save him. To get that approval. I've been everything he accused me of becoming. Oh, yes! The tear roll. And what is it you've become? Some lawyer who gets people acquittals. That's your job. You're a lot more than that, Nancy. In his eyes and everyone else's. You interior decorated the shit out of this place. (laughs) It's true. Uh oh. Kiss on the forehead. Remarkable restraint from Bobby Donald. Now, remarkable restraint for David E. Kelly, too, because that could have gone a different way, that close shot there. Yeah. Fade to black, bitch. Fade to black. Body, we have body counted the crap out of that. So what do we got? Do you count the body or the head? We got a, a couple bodies and a partial body. That's right. Well, and a, we, we have a full body, a partial body, and the maybe body. That's right. So definitely a body count. I was full on wrong on my prediction you there. You stink out. Well, you did guess that there was going to be a body and some some sort of disrepair. That's true. But it wasn't rotting. That's true. It, it should have been. It well, I mean, it was. It just it just was very early in the rotting process. True. I mean, technically, the minute you're dead, you're dead. You're rotting. That's All right. True. Well, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present. Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Here we go, Oopsies. And... We begin, as always, with... Most I'm tempted to say that the most valuable lawyer this week was a combo effort, the one-two punch of the buddy cop movie-to-be of Rebeckity Jimity Cricket. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should do a uh, do like a morph halfway in between. Yeah, them. It's gotta be scary. That is a scary morph. <laughs> but I feel like they were the perfect one to punch. He was litigating the shit out of it in the courtroom and then she felt the confidence to do the clothes and, and she closed and brought it. it home. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's definitely true. Um Yeah. I mean we could do this a couple of different ways. One, we could one of us could vote for one one votes for the other or we vote for the horrible two human hybrid 
human centipeded Rebecca Jimity Cricket. You know, for just for the the Photoshop, the bad Photoshop challenge that you've just laid out, I would like to accept <laughs> that third option and, and make the worst, most grotesque Photoshop I can come up with. Okay. Oh, oh, you know what we should do? Let's each do one. Okay. And then we'll yeah, the, and then we can have we can have our our listeners declare which one was more horrible. Okay. <laughs> Don't overdo it. It has to be pretty horrible. I don't know. We'll I'm see. not even going to use Photoshop. Probably, I'll probably just use Preview. Okay. Good word paint. Okay. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Rebecca and Jimity Cricket, for your most valuable lawyer. Which brings us to already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. Or the first entry on your IMDb. Way to go! And you're the best guest actor. You are the best. All right, best guest actor. Got some interesting choices here. What do you think? We do, and what's most interesting, I think, is that none of the guest actors really spoke much. Well, that's not true. Like, Anna Gunn had a lot. Matt Clark did a fair amount. Michael Monks fainted. That's true. And Egon talked a lot. Oh, they're all guest actors. I guess I'm just so used to seeing them that... That's right. Yeah, anybody who's not on our main cast is eligible for the best guest actor. Egon's great. The You know what? I'm going to defer to you at this at this point as I think. I'm going to let you go All first. All right. Well, for me it's actually fairly obvious. For me, I I have to give it to Matt Clark, the uh the husband who planned to kill his wife, who I thought had to convey a lot of different things all at once and uh really convey the story of this sad man who retreated to these fantasies but that his heart at least from my read felt like he was he was actually a nice guy he was just sort of sad and broken and this was his only escape so i kind of bought it i thought he it was clear he loved his wife i thought he did a good job for me it's matt clark I'm tempted to vote Michael Monks as George Vogelman, the... Can we even call him an ex of Eleanor? It's sort of. I mean, she's less of an ex than the one than the woman he yeah. murdered. The accused... She's an ex-everything. Well, I don't, we don't know that he murdered her. <sighs> yeah, no, we don't. We don't. Although, I, I'm guessing he did, but we'll see. I mean, the... <laughs> Your guess holds a lot of weight, having seen the run of the series. Yeah, but I was watching the Giants this night, <laughs> That's so true. I haven't seen this one. See, my read on his performance in this episode was that he's clearly an innocent guy who is caught up in a really shitty thing. His panic was really vivid. It's kind of the opposite of your vote for a really excellent, subdued performance, a really sad kind of performance. Right. I thought he was excellent in conveying his shock and awe and innocence. Uh, so I thought that was a, a a different type of performance, equally as valuable. So I'm actually gonna yeah, let's split it. I'm gonna give All it right. to Michael Monks. Oh, congratulations, Matt Clark and Michael Monks for your split guest best ugh, best guest actors. No, I think that's interesting. I think that's a that's a fair point because his job there is to credibly sell ambiguity, so that we go next episode not knowing what's happening. Yeah, so. and and not. And you also have the kind of trap of falling into camp when you're dealing with... Because they walk that line. They do a lot of jokey jokes with the head in the bag. But oh, yeah. He, but he he 
never went into that realm. He stayed firmly planted in the holy shit, what's happening. Yeah, universe. fair enough. And actually, speaking of holy shit, what's happening, it dawned on me watching this again that this episode is about two previous guest stars who had completely different arcs who are both being accused of murder. <laughs> yeah, well, like, it's proving the case that if you interact in your daily life with any of these people at the practice, at some point you will be accused of murder. Or if they like your performance in a previous episode, you'll have killed somebody later in the season. <laughs> what if there's a weird, like, um, a Twilight Zone episode type thing? Like, Stephen King writes himself into all of his books, or he's written right. into the Dark Tower at the end. What if, like, the... The final episode of the practice that we thought we you thought you knew, Keith, right, took a huge turn, and all of a sudden you and I are inside the episode being accused of murder. Oh, well, I would maybe that's you know because we've talked about what are we going to do at the end. Oh, the maybe fake script, the right? episode that we write, we are the suspects <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> wow! 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 Indeed. You know, you know what that would make us eligible for? <laughs> you killed your podiatrist or blue Or your podiatrist face. killed. Your yeah! Your team <laughs> down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Was this the character you had in mind when you wrote this bumper? He's the podiatrist. Well, I mean, there's seasons to come. I don't know. They might tap that well again. I mean, he killed. Maybe they'll kill him. Who knows? Um... Hang him out a window, at least. At least. I All gotta right. tell you, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for the last minute to your role, and I feel like Kelly Williams swooped in and gave the same monologue that every character gives at the end of every episode. Every single episode. And yet still really did it for me. I No, I, I completely agree, and I think you get bonus points for selling the same monologue. They just, like, the copy-paste at the end of every episode. It's almost like the copyright tag. And every one of them has to sell it every episode. And she did. She killed it. Not to, I mean, not to undersell. Also, her her scene with, uh, in, the apart- with in the apartment with Helen in the beginning, I thought was great. Scenes with, with Egon, the whole way they handle the head stuff. I, she was excellent throughout the episode. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I think it's, Fairly clear that Kelly Williams wins this Best Actor Award. I I would request for her social media presence for her oopsie acceptance. You got to get that screenshot of when that tear is like right there. Got to get the tear. Yeah, fair enough. I think I already did. I think I already captured it. But yes. Uh, Congratulations. All right. Well, that brings us up to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Now, if you saw on social media, uh, the Tom Brady award from last week shows one of my favorite Tom Brady pictures of him on a water slide. That one Very is. excited about I, it. I laughed right out loud on that. I also noticed that you included uh, Nick Foles and, and uh, <laughs> Eli holding their Lombardi trophies at the bottom of... Was that yeah. to show that he's infallible, that he's not infallible, or that he always bounces back? Oh, definitely uh, the former. <laughs> <laughs> because for whatever reason, I've decided to have an antagonistic relationship <laughs> with Tom Brady, who I think <laughs> the we would only both- person who listens to our show and yeah. produces. And, like, writes in with us, and I've decided to pick a fight with our only listener who writes us. Now, we'll do that whilst both, I think, firmly 
tongue unplanted from cheek admit that he's probably, maybe not even probably, maybe a, a definitely the greatest quarterback of all time? Uh, yeah. I know. It sucks. It sucks it hurts, to go. It, it hurts, hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. And I can't wait to have somebody beat him. But yes, uh, it is sort of undeniable at this point. I know. This is coming from two fans of people, of teams in the NFC East, which is just a goddamn catastrophe. But Yeah, we're bad. Yeah. But the Eagles are going to be, they're, they're still in it. They're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. We don't have literally no receivers, but, you know. Well, we have literally no anybody, so. Yeah, although for a, a shining glimmer of time this past Thursday, uh, this past week, I thought for sure maybe we you'd beat Dallas for us, but no. No, no, we were, we, <laughs> we gave you a little hope, then we took the hope away. That first half, I was like, this is a game, and then I, well, and then it wasn't I, a game I, anymore. I think that shows how you have not been following the Giants as close as, as I have, because I never had the hope. No, <laughs> no, my hope is dead. Yeah, well, speaking of dead, let's talk about, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. If you thought that the fan meme that we've created for this show was uh, a really, really, really specific meme, the meme that we've beaten a dead horse into, man, I'm conf- I just I'm making an attempt to talk about how <laughs> how many spare tires is I, such I a want to play that yeah. one back. <laughs> I need someone to like break down and do a dramatic reading of that sentence you just tried to say. I love that we're still talking about spare tires. It was one sh- frame in one episode, but we are just laser focused on it that's all we need we're laser sounds focused on it i actually really like this episode i think the the performances are across the board pretty great in fact i'd say so far in season three there really hasn't been anything that's like popped out it's all they've all been really great everybody yeah um I, as I mentioned before, I really like this case because it it's one of those times we talk about that. Sometimes he tries to make a point, David E. Kelly, and it gets lost in the shuffle of trying to make the case interesting. Right. And sometimes the case, there isn't a lot of twists and turns. It's too simple. Right. Yeah. It's, this time, it's an interesting premise for the case. It goes along the line you expect it to that doesn't go a lot of crazy ways but yet the question and the and the conversation and the argument had around it in the courtroom i'm talking about the 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 guy plotting to kill his wife case is really interesting and nuanced and you and i even had a really great discord about it which i think like you have mentioned before the show is a classic and is excellent because it especially in prime time fostered these kind of conversations yeah well and it also it, it, you sort of have like the very salacious parts of this episode, mm-hmm. but that case had a lot of heart. You you kind of really felt, I felt for both the guy who wanted to kill his wife and the wife and the son. Like nobody was all right. Nobody was all wrong in that situation. And you sort of felt for everybody. I also think that we're firing on a really interesting exploration of Lindsay Dole in her arc from season two where she wanted to be more than just uh she wanted to i guess bring legitimacy 
to the firm. And get out of criminal cases. Get out of criminal cases. And then now she finds herself getting into all these criminal cases, trying to do it with some sort of integrity, yet falling back on old practices and defending this guy who meant so much to her, but defending him in a way where she's not really sure that he's innocent. It's just really interesting. Yeah. The dynamic with her and her best friend, and, and they've kind of fallen away from the Bobby relationship. I just think things are going a really good way, and I think this episode is sort of tent-polling. Yeah. Well, and th- there wasn't any filler. No filler. I, I'm just, I was thoroughly interested all the way through. I'm going to give it a solid eight spare tires. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's a really excellent episode. All three cases, I think, are interesting. They all have... And they're all interesting thematically related, but different. Mm-hmm. Uh, per- performance is good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I'm with you. I feel... I, I You know what? I'm going to give it exactly eight as well. No math. Wow. No math. This is an eight episode. Really solid. Uh... I'm excited to find out what happens in these cases that weren't resolved. Uh, but before I uh, throw it to the uh, the finale here and we give our contact info, I have one question. What happened to the asbestos case? At the season two finale, the whole thing was Lindsay got the asbestos class action case and now we haven't seen anything of it. We're three episodes in. We haven't heard a whiff. It's, this isn't the cancer cluster. No, no, no. The cancer cluster asbestos. was Jimmy's. Where was the asbestos case? I, I've forgotten it. The season finale of, like, literally three episodes ago, we did the whole... She got most valuable lawyer because she got... Remember when she was pretending the computers worked and... and oh, uh, right. Yeah. It was a big deal. I'm sorry. All I can think about last season is Bobby <laughs> hanging that guy out the window. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> Literally. You're right. She was faking it, and they were all like, yo, blah, blah, blah. And then she got it, and it was going to be this big yeah. moneymaker. Yeah, where is it? Although, I, I do understand class action cases take forever to get to. But if they don't have a big uh, arc of that, then, you know, you've missed an opportunity there. They got to come back, right? They got to. You've, you've got to think they do. All right. Well, we are going to, uh, we're going to find out when that happens. And it's going to be exciting for everybody. If you are just as excited as we are, you should reach out to us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear you. Super fun. We'd also really love for you to join the jury and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'd be really appreciated. We could have more than Tom Brady listening. That'd be awesome. Meanwhile, you can hop onto Instagram and Facebook and check us out at, at Out of Practice Podcast. We do lots of fun stuff, lots of fun graphics, and we're going to have our Photoshop off this week. Also, I might add a, a picture. You know what? The next time somebody leaves a rating and review, I'm going to put a post, a picture of me from that day in the basement in my dorm room that I took on the first day that I found the other day. If you know anyone who has or runs a polygraph service, let us know. Is there a holiday friends and family discount that Keith and I can jump on? We'd love to take a polygraph to let you guys know that we are, in fact, big boldface liars. And if you're planning to kill your spouse, hide the evidence. Very important. At least two-factor authenticate. It's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but it's worth it. With that said, if you kill me, Keith, do it with some laser sounds. Laser sounds.